0: Good evening and welcome back to the Bundesliga show I uh, hope everyone is doing well this evening we're back for some match week six reaction um obviously a really entertaining weekend that we had just gone Mark uh so entertaining that we've had to extend our featured four show to a featured five uh so yeah a lot lots to get through this evening what, what was your uh your highlight of the weekend?
1: Yeah, I think we just expect it in the Bundesliga nowadays, don't we? Tons of good games. I think this season it's been in keeping. The Saturday afternoon games have been the best matches, actually, and this was another weekend where that was the same. I think, yeah, obviously, Uni on Berlin going top of the table. That's just absolutely massive, you know. After the kind of craziness at the start of that game, with obviously going 1 0, then missing a penalty and then getting a goal disallowed, you know, it, the game kind of petered out a bit. But I thought it was a really professional performance from Unión. on, you know, a very hard place to go, Cone. They were unbeaten as well before this game in the league. And they just made it look easy, really, to keep Cone out. And I just thought that was a really impressive result for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get it. we'll get stuck into our, our countdown uh, in a short while just to. A little bit of a reminder for everyone that uh, is either new or returning uh, to the show. Uh, So for starters, this season, again, we're back in partnership with the brilliant Bundesliga Boxes. Got a couple of the shirts hanging from my wall uh, behind me, just a couple of the potential German football uh, shirts that you can get from uh, the Bundesliga Boxes, mystery ones as well. So you never know which one you're getting and you can edit it accordingly to make sure that you don't get the same t-shirt again so make sure you go check them out on uh, on twitter go find bundles boxes or indeed their website i think bash 23 is dropping really soon next week i believe actually so make sure you get yourself ready for a uh, another brilliant set of Bundesliga boxes. Um, and as per, please uh, do drop us a like on this video if uh, if you like the games that we've been bringing to you, our, our kind of analysis. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments as ever, just even if you want to pop in and say hello whilst it's live or even subsequently, uh, yeah, do let us know your thoughts and please do press that red button and subscribe to the channel to make sure you don't miss out on any of our content coming out uh, we've got two shows regularly coming out a week. Uh, obviously, we've got a fantasy football show, plus loads of other things. Watch-alongs coming left, right and centre as well. So, so much for you to hopefully enjoy with us. Um, so, yeah, uh, over to you, Mark. Then we'll get cracking with the countdown because we've got a lot of football to kind of talk through, don't we?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's just go through the scores as well. First, as you can see at the bottom of your screen. So, yeah, Augsburg on Friday night picked up their second away win of the season, 1-0 at Werder. Obviously, the big talking point is that Dutch missed a penalty as well like, in the last few seconds, really, of the match, didn't he? Which led to a very impressive win for Augsburg. RB Leipzig with a 3-0 win over Dortmund. Bayern joined 2 all a third straight draw for them against Rory Sugar. He must be quite happy with that one, but we'll talk a bit more about that later. Hoffenheim with a really good 4-1 win over uh, Mainz. Then, yeah, Hertha Berlin, improving Hertha Berlin, played out a two-all draw with Leverkusen. And then, of course, um, on the late kickoff on uh, Saturday, Schalke in the Riviera Derby, and the second Riviera Derby this season, they beat Volkham um, 3-1. And then, moving on, obviously, uh, of course, Wolfsburg got a 1-0 win at Uh, Frankfurt as well for their first win of the season. Then moving on to the Sunday games, there was that 1-0 win that I already mentioned for Union at Köln, and then we finished the weekend with a 0-0 draw between Freiburg and Gladbach. So, yeah, let's move on to our five-game countdown. and It it was the game of the weekend, wasn't it? But it ended up being quite a one-sided game of the weekend. Maybe not the way some people would have thought, though, according to form. But I actually backed Leipzig in this game. I really, really fancied them. I just think... For me, just uh, in terms of raw quality on the pitch, I just think Leipzig are a better team this season than, than Dortmund. But obviously, the, the big news before the game, it was one of those games when it with Marco Rosa returning to the Bundesliga, ironically, with Abi Leipzig. Obviously, he used to play, he used to coach Abi Salzburg as well, so he knows the system And obviously against his former club as well that he managed for just one season last year, Borussia Dortmund. But he came back to haunt his former club in style. And let's be honest, it didn't take long really to realise the way this game was going to go. And it was that man, Willie Orban, actually, with a header... From a corner, I think we talked, Rory, in our, our watch along about how well Dortmund was starting to defend Corners. But lo and behold, six minutes into this game. Soberslie, who was probably the man of the match in this game, in truth, he put in a really, really good ball. It was a brilliant header, actually, from Willie Orban. Just came from nowhere and, like, tucked it under a few bodies, passed a despairing dive of the goalkeeper. And it was already 1 0. I mean, after that, it was pretty much all one-way traffic, really, for me. It was just uh, more and more uh, efforts from Leipzig. I think they, they had another couple of chances through Timo Ferner. went one-on-one. And, you know, he seems to have been carried on this form from Chelsea, doesn't he, in terms of in front of goal? Like, he just can't score at the moment, can he? He has got his first goal, but that was from a goalkeeping mistake by Cohen Schwaber a few weeks ago. But this time he we went through one on one with the goalkeeper and just screwed it hopelessly wide. You know, two three years ago that would have been the back of the net and two nil. But then just before the halfway mark, we had the moment of the match really, and it was just kind of nicely played into Sobersai by uh, Simakon, the centre half from uh, Leipzig. Then Sobersai just literally let rip with the ball from probably what thirty five meters out. And you can see the second it hits it, you know where it's going into the back of the net. And sure enough, it doesn't even hit the crossbar. It dips below the keeper's hand and into the back of the net. Absolutely brilliant strike. He's absolutely loving it. A player that's not always... you know, you wouldn't say he's always done what he should have done since he signed for Leipzig. Came in with big uh, expectations from Abi Salzburg as well, a Hungary international. But this was one of his better games in a Leipzig shirt. That's that's clear. This was probably his best goal in a Leipzig shirt as well, he, though he has scored a few other screamers as well. But yeah, that was 2-0 just before halftime. One goal very early in the first half and one at the very end of the first half led to a 2-0 halftime lead for the home side and then Rory would you say Dortmund did much or was it more kind of one-way traffic really in the second half uh,
0: no well they obviously they did struggle in general um in the game I think what well, the stats from from which said uh Dortmund had four four shots and none on target um yeah. if I'm right in saying it was something like that their xgs was below 1 uh 0, 0.69 um yeah compared to you know Leipzig XGs of 2.27 and and had nine shots off target and five on target. You know, it was, you know, all very well taking the stats, but in, in this kind of case, it did it did add up. Dortmund did really struggle to kind of make any any threat going forwards. Um, I mean, one thing you do have to say here, regardless of the Marco Rosa thing coming back into play and whatever else, like Dortmund have been absolutely torn to shreds by injuries again Um, while they are missing a hell of a lot of players. So I think you do have to take that into consideration. Um, You know, before you start slating Terzic or anyone else like that, I think it was quite inevitable that Leipzig were going to win this game. Uh, It was the perfect kind of game for them. Coming off the back of a really bad result, the manager bounce, everything else like that, it was kind of lined up for it. Always helps when you get a world dealer stride by Shabozlai. Um, And, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Mark, defending poorly from a corner probably for the first time this season. Um, Schlaubeck just doesn't quite follow Orban enough. Um, But, yeah, Dortmund in the second half, uh, sort of going off on a tangent there, but um, they came into a little bit more, they looked a little bit more dangerous uh, when they brought on Gio Reyna because he was able to get in behind um, the Leipzig defence a little bit more with that extra pace, uh, the likes of Brandt and Wolf. You know, hadn't really done it during the game um, and he teed up Modest for probably their best chance where he, Modest met met across and he hit it really well, but he did hit it wide of the mark. Uh, so that was uh, to remain 2-0 two, two until later on in the game and um, Leipzig did a, a, a good press and won the ball off Dortmund fairly high up the pitch uh, to which the ball was played through to Werner and, and Werner was able to square it very nicely for Haidara to get himself a nice tap in. Uh, for 3-0 to of course finish the game uh, and give Marco Rosa that that winning start that he so would have craved obviously against his his former club um so yeah really important win for uh for Leipzig you know just kind of gets them a bit more momentum going forward uh for the season there you know their form has been so very up and down two wins two draws two losses nine goals scored nine against i mean there's some great symmetry in their starts but like yeah, then there's still not an ideal start for them, is it? If they want to be chasing, well, if they had any visions about a title race, they need to seriously up their, up their game. Whether Marco Rose is the right man to lead them to Bundesliga glory is another question. Obviously, it seems like a nice fit uh, for now, but time will tell um, whether he can get this side playing some really good football because they certainly got the players, as you mentioned, Mark, and the quality. To do so, uh, nice for Shabozlai like, to score that goal. I think there's so much more to come from him. Like he, all, he almost left in the summer, which I found a really strange one. So I'm glad he stayed, and hopefully he'll he'll start to find his his best football in the Leipzig shirt. Dortmund, I think you know, tough. It was tough circumstances in a tough game. They just need to get themselves back. You know, obviously got a big big match this midweek in. In the in the Bundesliga, in the Champions League, uh, really tough game against City, isn't it? So that'll be tough work. that's it's the best way to bounce back. Um, so hopefully they can get themselves going again, and they just need to get some players back on that pitch ASAP.
1: Yeah, I think just to look at the benches of these two sides for this game basically tells you that all the story you need to know about the state where these teams are. If you look at Leipzig, I mean, guys like Josko Gvardiol, who almost went to Chelsea in the Benjamin Heinrichs, uh, Haidara, Kevin Campbell, Andre Silva, Yusuf Poulsen, you know, I mean, these are all players on the bench for Leipzig and this was still a strong team they had out, whereas meanwhile, obviously, Dortmund, they only have really Gio Reyna and Makuku in an attacking position who can really do anything and they're not exactly... You know the greatest track record at this level either. So you you can see that Leipzig. For me, if if somebody asks me the question, who has the best chance of winning the Bundesliga this year, RB Leipzig or Dortmund? For me, it's a no-brainer. RB Leipzig. You know, I just think got a much better side. And for me, I think if Dortmund could finish top four this year, it's not a bad season. I I really do because obviously, Modeste. Let's be honest, is just having a bit of a mare out there really in it so far. I think he's been really poor. I'll be honest with you. I think he's missing chances from headers. You know, this is meant to be his forte, knocking the ball in the back of the net from his head, but he's just not doing it this season. And you know, even in this game, I think at 2-1, he did miss a really good chance as well with his head, which was pretty much Dortmund's only chance of the match, to be honest. But it's just not good enough what he's been doing this season. And you know, they, they need to get Haller back as soon as possible and hope they can kind of maintain a title push, but obviously with Bayern's uh, failures, who knows what can happen. Okay, so let's move on to the game four. I mean, this was a really good game. I think if, it, if there had been a winner in this game, it would probably have been our number one, let's be honest, because it really, really was. It was a classic Bundesliga game, as far as I'm concerned, this one, in the Olympia Stadion. Actually, two sides who had not made the best start to the season, but definitely hurt to Berlin. For me, I have been quite impressed with them this season since the opening day. I think they look like they've got a proper starting lineup. I do like Sandro Schwartz, the new coach uh, who they brought in from Dynamo Moscow. I just think Leverkusen look aside who are just lost at the moment. But as for the game, it was a very, very up and down encounter. That that much is clear. And it actually went in nil-nil surprisingly. All, all the goals came in the second half, but. I think uh, Hertha were probably the better side in the first half, despite a couple of half-chances from uh, Schick. I think hudson O'Doy making his debut is obviously quite a big issue as well. They went really, really attacking the uh, Leverkusen side. They started with Schick, obviously, up top, then three behind him, hudson O'Doy, Lozek and Diaby as well. So that's like a really, really attacking side from Leverkusen. And that kind of played into why it was probably such an attacking game, really. But yeah, as I say, it was nil-nil at half and There are a few chances through luca bacchio who needs to kind of work on his finishing a little bit uh, at the moment. But he is missing quite a lot of chances. shake had a couple of half chances. Flozek as well came close to breaking the deadlock. But it was actually just into the second half when the first goal came. It was that man Karim Der- 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 Demir by. It was actually a brilliant free kick that broke the deadlock. It was. Just probably, you know, in that really nice position, just a few meters to the to the uh, left of the Hertha Berlin box. It was just a brilliant curling effort that dipped just in time uh, beyond the dive of Christiansen, who actually looks a really good keeper. He made some good saves in this match as well, Christiansen. But just a few minutes later, Hertha were level and, you know, showing that character that it didn't always show in the last couple of seasons but they seem to be showing a bit more it was a good goal actually well worked well held up by tusa who seems to have had a little bit of a kind of resurgence in inside the ball came into him from the right side he held it up well played it nicely into uh, Suat Serdar who tucked away really really nicely into the near post of the of Herdatsky, making it one 1-1 uh, one, one. and then Rory the, the carnage kind of continued really didn't it what a game this was
0: yeah it was a game of a couple of great goals as well uh, which obviously the next goal that went in uh, to give her to Ber- her to Berlin the lead um, and you know quite quite rightly as well Um a bit, a bit of a lapse in concentration uh, from Leverkusen, giving the ball away from a from a throw-in. Um, kind of one of those ones where you hook it first time and you think, oh, I assume it'll go to my fullback, but it did not. Ball was picked up in midfield and they worked her to quickly move the ball quickly. Uh, sorry, quickly to Richter. Um, you know who came came off the bench to great effect again, chested the ball down and unleashed a you know a, a, a superb. Strike from distance. Um, obviously, gave Haredky uh, in in goal absolutely no chance. So that makes it two one. Um, and you're thinking, yeah, with around fifteen minutes to go, hold on for a fantastic win for Herter. And, and a lot of people had been predicting it because of Herter's improved um, performances so far this season, and indeed Leverkusen's uh, poor uh, performances. But four or five minutes later, um, Leverkusen were able to get themselves back. Pro- through the wasteful Patrick Schick. Um, But he did, on this occasion, make no mistake, although his finish was fairly central to the goal. I think it went straight under uh, Christensen's legs uh, to make it 2-2, and and the game would would finish that way. So, yeah, it was an interesting one because both in terms of the reactions of both teams at, at the final whistle, because Leverkusen players were obviously noticeably very hacked off. Um and, and weren't very pleased with the result. Uh of course they're they're trying to get themselves back going again and you know it's just not quite happening still right now. Uh the pressure on Gerardo Seriani is is increasing game by game. Um but yeah, they were noticeably down in the doldrums and Hertha were, you know, were very up. But from my point of view, I think Hertha uh, some of the players might have been disappointed obviously not to have taken three points from this game. Um yeah. Because, yeah, I think they did play really well. Um, and, you know, we've we've uttered, you know, our thoughts about Herter, particularly last season, how unimpressed we were by them. But, they, you know, they sit on five points from six games. But, you know, yeah, they have to take into account the six teams that they have played, and it's been, it has been quite tricky for them anyway. Um, so, uh, and I think you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Mark, that... They've been competitive pretty much in every game apart from the first game of the season when Union, you know, quite, you know, brushed past them fairly easily. Um, So I I have to say that they've been a lot, you know, a lot more improved Herter. So, yeah, really good result for them. Um, If they can start picking up a couple more of those draws and wins, they'll probably remove themselves from, um, well, I mean, their joint... 14th I guess um with with Stuttgart and Wolfsburg on five points so it is very close uh, at that bottom bottom third of the table but yeah more performances like that and I don't think they'll find themselves there for much longer um Leverkusen on the other hand amazingly are uh, are below them in the table in 17th place but as I was kind of mentioning on Twitter the other day it's quite a scary thing for the likes of Hertha, Stuttgart, Augsburg and Schalke who are in positions close to the relegation zone to see Leverkusen and indeed Wolfsburg below them because you have to assume that both will come good or get better as the season goes on and obviously they'll have to replace them if, if their form does improve. So Leverkusen... I, don't, I mean, I don't know how many more games Seriani will get, you know, in this cutthroat business of management at the top, top level of football. I don't know about you, Mark, but I imagine that he maybe only has a couple of games left to save a season, particularly if he loses in the next two or three, then he'll then he'll be gone.
1: Yeah, you know? I... Part of me just feels really bad for him because he was so good last season. The style he had been playing, you know, and finishing third was above expectations. You know, I mean, most people thought fourth was the absolute, like, highest that they can realistically go. But to get comfortable third, then they were only a few points off Dortmund in second as well. But it's just, this season has just been, like, an absolute living nightmare for Leverkusen. It truly has. I mean, the board backed them as well. They did really well to keep Diaby and Chick at the club, you know. Yeah even back then with the likes of hudson Adoy, and Lozek, like they've got an even better team than they did last year but I mean it's been a real tragedy what's happened to them. I mean starting with the cup game as well wasn't it like losing 4-3 against a third division side it's just you can't be doing that as Leverkusen you know especially when they started with like a full team in that match and just everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong you know even in midweek in the Champions League you know they should have got points out of that game and you know, they had a goal disallowed and just like, it's just not working out. Goalkeeping errors, Hrugatsky hasn't been at his best this season. You know, the defence seems to have gone back to what, you know, the Peter Bosch days of a few um, a few years ago and it's just not good enough. And as you say, they were lucky. You didn't mention that the penalty incident as well, right at the end of the game. For me, I thought Hertz were really unlucky not to have the penalty for a, a handball, pretty much on the in front of the goal, really. But... Mm. I don't know that the German commentator said it was a correct decision when I was watching the German commentary. They seemed to think it wasn't an accident, a, a, a purposeful handball. But I don't know, when you block the ball with your arm on, pretty much as it's going to go past into the back of the net, surely it's got to be a penalty for me. But, you know, I think her two are a bit angry about that. And they probably should have got the win, as you say, really. A bit more game management, you know, they took the lead after 70 minutes, I think, in this game. And you've got to be holding out when you do that. And, you know, a bit more game management, but they were the better side and they they look the better team of these two at the moment. That's that's for sure. Okay, so let's move on to game three. And it was another two-all draw, another entertaining two-all draw, but this time obviously Bayern taking the lead twice in this game before being pegged back twice by... You know, a Stuttgart side will be happy with performances, but not that happy with results, I guess. You know, they're only one of only two teams without a win in the league at the moment. Them and obviously pointless Bochum being the other side. But, you know, at the same time, if you look on the glass full, half full side of the coin, you know, you could say it's only one defeat in six, which is quite impressive, really, against second place uh, Freiburg. But yeah, I mean, you can never be unhappy with a point at the Allianz, can you? Let's be honest. It's uh, this was a really good performance from Stuttgart to go away unbeaten in this match. A game of you know probably the referee was kind of the star player in this match. Really, at times, you know, some decisions going against Stuttgart, some going for them. But yeah, the, the game itself was really entertaining. I think obviously, if you're looking at the team news, quite a lot of big team news. Sadio Mane was already dropped after just in the sixth game. You know, some of the fans haven't been overly impressed with his performances in recent weeks. And, you know, he was obviously rewarded by being dropped in this game. Thomas Müller started as a, a number nine and in came the likes of Musiala, Tell as well. Made his debut, full debut. And um, Maz Raui as well, the right back, came into the side uh, for his first start for the Bayern Munich side. But yeah, as for the game, it started off actually Stuttgart had the first major chance and it was a a header from Anton that went just wide uh, from a Souza free kick. Souza looking to get back into his top form after missing out on a big move over the summer. But it was actually um, a really, really good uh, save as well from... um, as Mattis Tell and Nabry forced Florian Meyer into a brilliant double save as well. And then Tell, only 17 years old, he got the opening goal in the match from the Alfonso Davies assist. Davies crossing the ball in really well from the left wing and then quite, I wouldn't say a simple finish from Tell, but it was, you know, it was well struck. But again, Florian Muller could have done a little bit better on this one. He could probably be forgiven after the really good double save a few minutes earlier but yeah probably should have done a bit better on that one florian muller but yeah so it was one nil at half time rory and then the second half was even more carnage really wasn't it
0: uh yeah uh, it was an entertaining game overall as you say i think stuttgart did well in the first 30 minutes of the game and it was it was very even until uh until the goal and stuttgart still had a, had a threat going forwards. Uh, obviously, um, head coach Pellegrini Matarazzo decides to make a change at half-time to bring on Chris Furick, uh for Thiago Tomas, uh, who has had a bit of a dip in form um, for me since, well, obviously the start of the season. Um, but, you know, I wasn't overly sure about it because Furick last season didn't look like a Bundesliga level player but he started the season really well actually yeah. um so came on and um you know it was um yeah it was a was a constant kind of menace uh, down the right hand side um so yeah first first of all Stuttgart got, got there got the first of their two disallowed goals um the first of which was because of a a foul by Furik on Kimmich in the build-up to which, um, Girassi, the new striker put, put home from close range. Um, so it, obviously at the time it stood, but obviously VAR got involved and it was disallowed as a result. Um, it was the softer of the two disallowed goals for me. Um, you know, Kimmich goes down after a, a Bit of contact on the shirt, bit of a pull by Faurik. I mean, if you're a buy-in fan, I guess you say it's clear, clear as day that it's a foul. Uh, obviously, as a VFB symp- sympathizer or anyone else like that, will say it's quite soft, um, and for me it was. But uh, so it was disallowed, but it didn't stop Stuttgart trying to get up buy-in still, and uh, a bit of a poor pass uh, by Alfonso Davis into Musialo was picked up by the rampaging. As ever, uh, Mavropanos, really good game. Again, love how he defends on the front foot and love how he goes on his mazy runs. Um, so, which he sets up Furick inside the box and Furik delivers a brilliant finish in the far corner past Neuer uh, at great pace. So, that's 1-1. One, one. Um, however, that didn't last very long uh, because Jamal Musiala um, Golovo on the edge of the box after a bit of build-up by Bayern turned... Um, Karat saw inside out um, and then tucked away 2-1. Much to my dismay after Stuttgart had battled so hard to get themselves back into it, it then seemed like a bit of a kick in the teeth um, and it felt like it might stay that way. But again, um, I thought some of the Bayern subs during the match were quite strange. I thought Nagelsmann kind of thought the game was done a a lot earlier maybe than it was, so he was ringing the changes. Um, Stuttgart went a lot more offensive as well in terms of their subs uh, and I remember the commentary during the game the commentators were so impressed by the fact that Bayern were really holding on and had just settled for a 2-1 win, it was all Stuttgart they were they were <laughs> doing the pressing, they had all a lot of the ball um, and were trying to get forward via Souza and Mavropanos um, and then they scored the second of their disallowed goals, this time I think it was Armada um he was very industrious. He ran out of energy as the game went on. Um, fouled Kimmich, which again was put put away by Gerasi. That one probably was a foul for me. So yeah, no complaints, but just unfortunate, but great pressing. Um, and then Gerasi would hit the hit the woodwork with a great effort. thinking might have got a slight deflection on it, which took it past Neuer. But again, no luck for Stuttgart there. Um, but eventually the luck did change their way uh with a penalty being given in the last in the last minutes after a foul by Mata- or a apparently a foul by Matthias Delic delict on girasi after he got to the ball just to get a shot away for Delic to follow through and hit him uh, or you know make contact mm-hmm. with him on the foot um yeah for me it was a penalty uh i, I know we've already spoke about this a little bit more before the show um so you might chime in with your uh, thoughts on it in a sec but um and then obviously grassy puts it away and and still got hold on um so yeah great point as you say <laughs> when you say that the one of two teams that haven't won a game so far in six matches it's quite glass half empty isn't it and it sounds bad because it is bad um but maybe they're just going to draw their way to Bundesliga safety um, because they're absolutely loving it. And yeah, it's great that they haven't lost. um, Sorry, that they've only lost one match to a very good Freiburg side. They've drawn with Bayern. They've drawn with RB Leipzig. They should have beaten Köln if it went for the red cards. They could have well and easily beaten Werder if it went for a last-minute goal. So in theory, you could have had an extra four points very easily um, and you're looking at it very differently. So yeah. Uh, interesting game, uh, good point for Stuttgart and three draws in a row for Bayern.
1: Yeah, I think my, my view on the penalty is, yeah, I think we didn't mention it before. I, my view on those ones when the ball's already gone, I always think they're a little bit harsh, really. But I guess you, you could also argue what else can the referee do because he, he does take him labour. We all know that it, I don't think whether the late fouling would have actually mattered, made any difference to the shot, you know, because the shot was going high wide and not so handsome over the bar and that was probably the last chance realistically for Stuttgart to get anything out of the game but I, I do believe that the way the game went I do believe that Stuttgart had a few decisions that went against them in truth I think they did deserve a point from the game as you say I mean you don't often see Bayern just getting penned in for like 20 minutes at the end of the game like Stuttgart did to them and nobody watching that second half can deny that Stuttgart deserved a point from the game and you know, not all is not rosy at Bayern again. You know, after a very, very good start to the season, you know, with that win over Leipzig when they put five past them, and then they put six past Frankfurt, didn't they? Everyone was just thinking, oh God, it's going to be. They put seven past Borkum a couple of weeks after that, and everyone was thought it was going to be an absolute procession. But now three straight draws for Bayern, and let's be honest. I would say the Gladbach game they were just unlucky and really because Sommer just had one of those games that day. But the last two games, I wouldn't say they deserved to win either of them against Union or Stuttgart. Yeah, you know, not all is looking rosy. I mean, obviously Mane was dropped for this game. I mean, they'll probably say it was rotation, but you don't expect a, you know, forty million pound signing to be dropped after just five games. I mean, you didn't see Lewandowski dropped, did you? Really? Like he missed, he used to miss maybe one, two games a season, and. I do believe that it could be that he's missing too many chances in a Bayern Munich shirt, Obviously, he did get off the bench in the end, but he didn't do very much, did he? And it's just, um, yeah, not all that rosy for for Bayern again. And, you know, Nagelsmann, a few more draws and pressure could start coming over him again because he didn't overly impress the Bayern fans last season. You know, he didn't... I wouldn't say he didn't... He's not unpopular with the fans, but I wouldn't say they were, were like, really purring over him like they were with Hansi Flick, his predecessor. But I just think... um, You know, improvement is needed. He he was unlucky to lose to Lewandowski. Obviously, we'll have the reunion tomorrow night, actually, in the Allianz, which is a massive game. But he's got to start winning more games in the Bundesliga, you know, and he's got to start... um, He started the Champions League well with that brilliant win against into the week covered. But, you know, they've got to start winning games in the Bundesliga because, you know, they're currently sitting third after six games, and we know that's not acceptable for... But Bayern Munich side, and obviously, they go to Augsburg next, and we're gonna to have to see what happens. Yeah, a comment in as well from um Landlab here. Um, can we say Bayern miss Lewandowski's goals? And Mani is not what you all thought he was. I'm a Liverpool fan, by the way. Yeah, would you say they are, Rory? Are they missing Lewandowski's goals? Would you say, or yeah, well, it's
0: the, the easiest statement to read out in a Bundesliga season, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, um. It's you know quite clear that they miss the striker. His goals is the way that they build up around him. Uh, Mane is a very different type of striker, usually a world-class operator um, who's obviously come into a new league. And yeah, a lot of the Bayern fans aren't overly impressed by him. Does this mean that Mane won't go on to score 20, 25 goals plus this season? No, he, he could well come back and and you know absolutely storm the league very easily so uh, I think obviously one thing of you don't really have time in Bayern to impress whether you're a player or a manager Marblesman etc so he will have to hit the ground running sooner rather than later before the fans do really start to get on his back but I, I think he's completely capable of doing so.
1: Yeah. I think my issue is that I'm not sure the Mane is a number nine. I've always had that question. About him. Obviously, most of his time at Liverpool, he played out wide and I thought that was his position, really. I don't think his finishing is quite good enough to be a, and I I don't think he's big enough of a presence to be a Bundesliga number nine. That's the problem. I think the Bundesliga is a very physical league with a lot of big guys, you know, and I think Mane is what, like five nine or so like Lewandowski a good six two or so so like and a lot more physical too and if you look at a lot of number nines in the Bundesliga, they are like six three six four giants really you know so it might just be it might be that they have to move him out wide after all in some state at some stage i wouldn't be surprised if they actually look to do that further on in the season Anyway, yeah, without further ado, let's move on to game two. Yeah, and this is a different part of the table, isn't it, that we're talking about. It was the, the bottom two going into the match, actually, because obviously this was the late kickoff on Saturday night. Schalke had three points before kickoff. off had zero. Obviously, the big news coming out of this defeat for Volkham, Rory, I'll, I'll go over to you and ask you about it. It's obviously, Thomas Rice has lost his job. You asked me before about Seal Arne, and I... I think it's so sad when this happens, you know, because he was so good last season. He was even, I think he came third in manager of the season in the Bundesliga. That's how good he was. You know, he, he took a very much unfancy and side to 13th last season. But obviously it's only taken him six games this season to lose his job. He's lost all six games. What do you think of that decision?
0: Um, well,
1: the writing
0: was on the wall, wasn't it? Uh, from the from the results point of view? Yeah, you know, completely poor. Um, you know, their, their transfer business, uh, or lack of it, or their outgoings has been very noticeable. I mean, so much so that Schalke, a team that's been promoted, have a former Balkan striker in Poulter, who scored against them in this game. To win the match for them well to confirm the win 3-1 late on um so what more do you have to say you're selling players to your rival relegation candidates and it's coming back to bite you already um there was a lot of conversations about thomas rice and and whether he'd agree a, a contract extension it, it couldn't be agreed because of the representatives weren't able to do that i guess the club at the time, as well, was holding back because of the results on the pitch. Um, they probably saw it going south quite quickly, so they didn't want to reinvest in him. I think it is sad, you know. It did so well to bring come up from the spider. Um, amazingly good debut season, you know. They much of how we kind of described them last season. How industrious they were um, and towards the end of the season they were playing some really good football as well. Garrett Holtman, the Balkan Messi, you know we loved it all uh, and Simon Zola coming back from a really bad injury at the end of the season, feel good story, you know one more could you want as a Balkan fan by the end of the season but yeah it has, it has probably soured now um, and it will take a lot for them to you know to come out of this kind of spell of football with a positive note but you know the man the man who comes into the job will just have to try and reinvigorate the players because this you know they have pulled the trigger so early on they're what I'll see in terms of the table as soon as they get you know when they get that win in theory if they go in next week there'll be one point behind Leverkusen and, and then there'll be two behind Wolfsburg and Herter and Stuttgart like it starts to look a lot more positive straight away but Obviously, it depends where that win's coming from, because they don't know about you, Mark, but at the moment, it's hard to see where it's coming from, especially because they just look so goal-shy.
1: Yeah, I think defensively, too. I think defensively, it's been even more of an issue this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they just, this was a side that a lot of people were actually tipping them to beat, because a lot of people hadn't really been that impressed with Schalke either before this game, and a lot of people thought they would come good. But to me, they were well beaten, really, in the game, you know. I mean, they were just... Uh, another interesting stat, they actually lined up this game with the highest average age of any Bundesliga yeah. match in history, actually, in this game. And, like, most of the players were over 30, you know. it's uh, They sold all of the young talent, you know, your Bella Kott, chaps, Leach, they were all sold. And even Polter, I don't think he's that young. I think he's early 30s as well. Obviously, yeah. to sell yes. him to a relegation rival is just suicide, really, isn't it? And it's just... Um, yeah, for me, the writing was on the wall before the season. I had them down as 18th and I stand by it, to be honest. I just didn't think they had a good enough team to compete this season. As I say, most of the best players left. They had a few loan signings. I think they only managed to get one of those loan signings back in. and They just had a bit of a mess so far, to be honest. you know. But As for the game, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, Riemann actually made a couple of good saves from a former Nuremberg man and uh, actually uh, Tom Kraus as well. He had a couple of shots wide. Uh, but unfortunately, Osano, who probably is the best spoken player nowadays, he went off very early on. You know, he was injured. I'd probably say him and Holtman are probably their only threats, really, in most games nowadays, because Soler hasn't had his best start of the season, I wouldn't say, really, despite the two goals against Hoffenheim. But yeah, so he was off after just a few minutes. Uh, obviously, Rice, knowing that he needed a win to try and get the win, but... Um, Actually surprisingly, Holtman actually only came on as a sub as well. It's just seemed madness to me, really, because he has been pretty good this season so far. He had a good shot, which was well saved by Chfolov. Um and then obviously Lamproulos so skied the loose ball over, which was a half chance. To Rodder, who actually, you know, is a bit of a cult hero, isn't he? He was actually causing a few problems, you know, he was he just doesn't seem to have the touch to get the goals in, in the Bundesliga, does he? But obviously, his fighter record is ridiculous, actually. I was looking at the stats for Tirada, actually, in midweek, and he scored, like, six separate seasons, 20-plus goals in this fighter. That's just ridiculous, really, isn't it? But in the Bundesliga, he does tend to struggle, although he, he has been getting starts for Schalke play, which is quite encouraging for him. He had a few chances, but it was after 38 minutes of the goal eventually came, and it was actually... But uh, Boulter's uh, speculative effort, which was actually fumbled by Riemann, you know, who, Riemann, like the star of last season, I would say he's also not been in his top form the first six games this season. he spilled a shot to Drexler, who comfortably took home, much to the delight of a brilliant crowd as well from Schalke. Like, they fill that ground every single week. It's fantastic. Good away support from Boakum as well at this uh, Riviera Derby match. But yeah, it was 1 0 at half time. And to be honest, at the time, you were thinking the writing's on the wall for Bolton and for Rice, but they did actually spring back quite well, didn't they, at first, Rory?
0: Yeah, they did. Um, and, and just after half time, Zola did um, get his third goal of the season. Uh, again, didn't, didn't really know much about it, did he? <laughs> um, as a good bit of play between Holtman uh, and Hoffman, uh, and to which they, they worked the ball into the area and the shot comes in uh, and it's going in and, and Zola's kind of like trying to jump over it slash uh, I don't know if he is trying to score but anyway it hits him on the way in so obviously very rightly all the Schalke players are saying well that's offside isn't it but so they do check it uh, much to Zola's relief um, he isn't offside and so the goal stands after a VAR check so uh, Bolcom did yeah they got themselves back into it um, but yeah, that, that kind of woke up um, Schalke. You know, the pressure was building. They were, uh, the home side were coming, coming again. You know, there was a lot of pressure. Um, like Tirolda again hit the hit the crossbar. Uh, Salazar uh, again drew a good save from Ryman. Um, again, a bit of an up and down game from him, as you said, Mark. Um, but the pressure eventually did tell. Uh, good free kick whipped in by Mohoa. Um, but uh, it was, you know, dangerous and low in that pace, and unfortunately, Mas-Masovic, uh, um, from Balkan point of view, put it into his own net, deflected in. I mean, quite a lot of own goals this week, um, weekend actually, and yeah, hard, hard one to defend. So yeah, very good set piece, and as we've already mentioned, um, the icing on the cake was was to heading in a really good header, actually, from quite quite a way out and a, a long kind of deep ball into him um so which obviously made it 3-1 and the game was done so yeah huge three points for Schalke and all of a sudden it starts to look a lot more rosy for them in terms of the table I mean they're up to twelve um from that and yeah I mean they've been hard to beat uh you know lost lost tw- two out of the six games you know three draws along the way um maybe obviously want to just address the the goals conceded column, but if you take off the six that they conceded against Union, I know you can't just do that, but then it's only uh only seven goals in five matches. So again, not too bad um at all. So yeah, you know, both the promoted teams are sitting pretty in the table and, and both of them are in mid-table. So You know, they've both been doing well. Verder obviously came unstuck on Friday night, uh, but could quite easily have won or even drew that game. So both have impressed to a certain degree. I think, you know, obviously Schalke probably less so, but um, I always felt confident that they were going to win this game in front, as you mentioned, of a packed-out stadium in Gelsenkirchen. Yeah, I think they were good value for their money um and balkamer obviously have reacted in uh, in accordance with getting rid of uh head coach Thomas rice so very interesting to see who is brought in and indeed uh how they react this weekend
1: Absolutely. So let's move on to the game of the day. And I think it was definitely a game of the day if you were a Hoffenheim fan, not a Mainz fan. But obviously Mainz came into the game with three wins from three away from home. It seemed incredibly they played four of the first six games away from home, Mainz. So yeah, the the fixture list hasn't been the kindest to them. But obviously they came into this game on the back of a really, really good win at Gladby, which I don't think anyone thought they would get really, did they? But it was a fantastic win for them. That one, but yeah, again, uh, just like when the, I remember the only other defeat that mine's had before this game is against Leverkusen, surprisingly. The, the only game Leverkusen had won. They made a good start in that game too, and once again, they did in this, actually. The captain, Sylvain Vidmer, one of my favourite Bundesliga players, of course. He he called Oliver Baumann into action just after three minutes with a good shot. Johnny Burkhart also had a really, really good um, effort as well early on, but unfortunately he got injured after about 20 minutes, which is unfortunate. He's had a bit of a kick uh, kind of hit and miss starts of the season only with a couple of knocks and a couple of he got that home goal as well against uh, Leverkusen but he was off he didn't he went straight down the tunnel so he didn't look too good he was replaced by Bergsorg, but yeah then basically that was pretty much when the, the tight turn really and Hoffenheim started to get the better the, um the play yeah, and eventually the big turning point really was when actually uh, Ruta was played through onto, Jorginho Ruta was played through on goal and then Alexander Hack literally hacked him down. Uh, I've got to get that one in there, I'm not pardon. <laughs> yeah, I he literally, mean... Like, he hacked him down when he, <laughs> when he was he through was- on goal, which meant... The straight red card just before half time. And there was a bit of deliberation with this one, wasn't there? Because it looked initially that it was outside the box, uh, the foul on Jorginho. But Jorginho had done quite well and he just managed to get his foot onto the kind of uh, the borderline. A penalty was given actually for this one as well. So it was like the double blow really for Mainz, the straight red card for Hack, and then the penalty. And... You're thinking, Crammerich, no chance this can go wrong. And what happens? But he screws it miles wide, really, at the post, doesn't he? It's a horrendous penalty from the talisman, the long-term talisman of Hoffenheim. And minds do go in at 0-0, actually, at half-time, which is quite surprising. But really, in that second half, you're not going to see a much more one-sided second half than that in the Bundesliga, are you?
0: Yeah, Hoffenheim turned uh, turned up a gear or two in the second half. Um Krammerich first and four, uh, firstly um acrobatically scoring the first the first goal after a good bit of work by Jorginho Ruta. Um and another kind of turning point in this game before the rest of the goals would happen is Onisiwo, Carryman Onisiwo, uh who's had you know,'s been leading the line well for mines and does Work well in partnership with Burkhardt um, most of the time when they're fit together, but he was sent through clean on goal, but he couldn't get himself sorted out, couldn't take the ball with him, basically, and ended up Hoffenheim were able to to come back and, um, you know, defend the, the situation as as honestly were kind of messed it up. Um after that, I think Hoffenheim realised that we really knew why well, we need to put this game to bed against 10 men and, and they were able to do so. Kaderebek uh, often involved uh, down the right-hand side who had a really good game. His uh, his cross was touched back by Baumgartner really nicely to Promel um, who, who drove it home to the bottom corner 2-0. Um, followed up by third, um, nice little cheeky back heel by Dabur um, from an Angelino shot um, ironically, I think on the Bundesliga website it says uh David Raum. Um, so yeah. uh, mm-hmm. they haven't updated their information, <laughs> uh, so that was quite ironic. Uh, when I was reading the match report, I thought, mm, I'm not sure that's quite right. Uh, <laughs> obviously, very not feeling very nostalgic, clearly. Um, uh, yeah, but mine's obviously you know they never give up. Um, so the 10 men managed to grab a goal back, uh, through uh, Dominic Cahor. Um, good finish from uh, just on the edge of the area after a good bit of play Um so that you know gave him maybe a spark of hope but that was uh, doused down by the fourth goal eventually coming from Kadra as Hoffenheim broke forward in numbers Kramerich setting him up and um, the fullback uh, attacking fullback doing well to chip it over the keeper to make it 4-1 um, and cap off yeah, good, a really good second half performance. As you mentioned, the red card has you know a huge impact on um, this game, but it helps Hoffenheim's good start of the season continue, Mark. Um, you know, the one game where they've looked really blunt and uh, maybe out of sorts was our watch along um, yeah. when they lost to, to Dortmund 1-0. Um, otherwise, they've been coming forward really well. Um, scoring goals. They're sitting fourth at the moment in the league, join on points with uh with Bayern and Dortmund. Um, you know, have, have scored a good amount of goals. I think they've scored they've scored 12 goals, but the 12 goals have come from nine different players, I think, so far. Yeah. So obviously we're saying that Kramaric is the talisman, but he's, he's been struggling a little bit for goals. Obviously, the penalty miss. Um but he's being backed up by the rest of the team, which is really good seeing from a team point of view and showing that they are dangerous coming forward. But maybe they just be someone uh, whether it's a router or, or someone else, uh Dabor can kind of pick up the slack for for because at the moment his goal scoring form is, is maybe not where he would want it to be. He's always in and around um the attacking third and being involved assist-wise for, for Hoffenheim. That's how you know they play around him. But um yeah, good stuff from Hoffenheim. Mines a bit of a blip. You can put the red card down to that. Um, good chance for on Well, you never know what what happens if he scores that uh, to make it one one in the second half. Um, so their away form is the big thing. Last season they've already addressed it so far this season. And yeah, yeah, bad loss of them on on the weekend, but I'm sure they'll come uh, come roaring back and. Other than that, they obviously have had a good start uh, to the season anyway, still in sixth place, only their second loss. um, But they've only scored six goals in six games. So that's maybe the one area that they'll be looking to improve. But, you know, depending on how bad Burkhardt's injury is, the pressure will fall onto Onisiwo and and other players like that to maybe uh, give give, uh, them some needed goal scoring threat.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think if Hoffen if the league was only ten games every season, I think Hoffenheim would be in the top four every year, wouldn't it? They always the one of those clubs that always seem to come flying out of the blocks every season, you know. But I, I do like Brighton writer from what I've seen so far though. You know, he seems to be a good fit there. You know, he, he seems to be a lot more positive than Herness, who at times seemed a little bit, you know, dejected on the touchline, didn't he? But he just seems to be really enjoying the job there at Hoffenheim, Brian Writer, you know, and I just think could be a good fit that one. It could be a case of that. But as you say, we've seen it far too many times from Hoffenheim that they've come flying out of the blocks. They've looked really good and they, they blitz some teams. You know, they, they can often do that, Hoffenheim. They they win a lot of games by big scorelines, Hoffenheim. They're, they're never short of goals, are they? But the thing is, can they keep it going? You know, when they lose a couple of games, will they have the mental strength to kind of bring them back? I think one of the issues for Hoffenheim is they they don't have the best home support. I'm sure Hoffenheim fans would agree with me. I think they get consistently the lowest home attendances in the Bundesliga every season. You know, obviously a very small club from a village. So I guess, like, you know, when things do do go wrong, they don't have that, like, crazy support of a team like a Köln or an Union Berlin to kind of bring them back, you know, but... Um, Hopefully, I'd like to see Hoffenheim up there again. They're a pretty likeable club from an English perspective. I know that the German people don't feel the same all the time, but, yeah, I think from an English perspective, a lot of people like them and they play good football, and it would be nice to see them maybe get back into Europe again ahead of next season. That's the mind, you know, as you say, very, very compact side, but the red card did them in this game, really, didn't it? I think if it had not been for the red card, they could have potentially got a draw out of this game because they were doing quite well until the red card, basically. But, you know, I don't think um, Bowles Fenton will be that upset about the result because he knows that the red card was probably the main catalyst for the the pretty heavy defeat in the end. Okay, so I think that pretty much rounds up. Any closing thoughts, Rory, or we go straight ahead to the closure?
0: No, not anything special from me. Uh, Just to say, obviously, to keep an eye out for the fantasy show on Thursday. It'll be a slightly shorter one again before we go into the international break. And then we'll be doing a big fancy draft again after that. Um, and probably no watch longs this week either. But we'll obviously keep people posted on that as and when we do our next one.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, just to close up. So, if you enjoyed what you saw today, then out Over the Bar, being out Over the Bar Extra, remember to check that out. Remember our website, otbfootball.net. And also don't forget to like comment and subscribe because it helps us with the algorithm and all that stuff. So, yeah, as Rory said, we'll see you again on Thursday for the Fantasy Football Show. So, ciao. See you then, guys. Bye.